Hello and welcome to the Royalty of the King podcast. Following on from our recent retail reboot report, in this episode we're talking about the future high street. If you haven't read the retail reboot report yet, make sure to go to royaltyoftheking.com forward slash retail reboot, all one word. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Um, today, for everyone listening, we'll be talking about the future high street, and we have uh, various guests on today, including Graham Salt, who's a retail consultant at cannyinsights.com and um, is on the High Streets Task Force, Howard Saunders, a retail futurist, um, Dawn Manis, um, who's a director and co-founder of The Sampler, an independent wine merchant in London, uh, Lisa Johnson, uh, founder of the Tea Enthusiasts and director of Discovering Durham CIC, as well as our very own David Paxton, who's uh, the head of real estate in our London office and head of repurposing. Um, so I guess the first very broad question, which I'll direct towards Graham, is oh. um, basically what what might the future high street look like? And do we have any kind of contemporary examples right now that we can use as an example of what it might look like? Yeah. Uh, what does the future high street look like? Well, the first thing to say is the future high street isn't dead. So, um, so the high street does have a future. Uh, it is it is still around. It is evolving rather than dying for sure. And I think um, if you look at the high streets that are doing well at the moment, uh, it tends to be those that are uh, evolving and offering customers what they want. And, and part of that is about being local, being distinctive, being interesting, because I think for so long we've had the whole clone town thing going on. Uh, uh, I guess in the kind of post-war period, it was it was all about how many big name stores can you attract? You know, if you've got your Debenhams, if you've got your House of Fraser, uh, you know, and, and the result was that uh, our towns and cities became more and more similar to each other. And that worked for a while uh, until online came along. And now I think people are, are craving places that are are more rooted in where they are, that have more soul. And so um, I would certainly say that the future high street is, is about tapping into that kind of localness uh, and the community and what the community needs and uh, and being something that is it's reflecting the fact that these places are so important to us all and people do have that affinity to them. And that has sometimes been lost uh, in the past because our places have become too boring. So less homogeneity, basically yeah. just trying to create something more diverse. And is, uh, as a retail futurist, Howard, is that, is that what you see as well? Do you, is that what you think is going to be the case? Yeah, Graham's done my job for me, hasn't he? <laughs> summary. I, I think, yeah, I try and take the sort of 30,000 foot view. We sort of spent the 90s and much of the 2000s complaining that all the high streets look the same. And now you <laughs> no one's complaining about that anymore, are they? So, yes, things happen. I suppose, in a way, we kind of created our local high streets to look a bit like their big brothers in the big urban centres. You know, and it's kind of, we got the, some of the brands and some of the ones we could encourage, and they put their sort of second, third best stores in. So we got this sort of lukewarm cities, and that didn't work for anybody. Um, and I think Graham's absolutely right. We get, we, if anything, we learn anything from lockdown. Um, as I say, having our ankles photographed three times a week, it was nice to, you know, get out, wasn't it, and see the butcher and the baker and the candlestick maker get to know their names. You know, I talk about the local currency of people's names. You know, these are very personal things. And suddenly that all meant an awful lot to us. And when previously perhaps we neglected our local towns and our local centres. 
Yeah, and and so locality is that is is that either Dawn or or Lisa? Is that something you see as being really beneficial to your your customers and to the future of the high street as well? Um, well, I would say I would love that I would love that model to exist where um, you know it is all local and personal. And I suppose as a wine merchant, that's what we offer. But then you mm. see, you know, um, Amazon opening in lots of high streets now. Um, right. You know, they're buying property, and so it, it's sort of like one thing's being said, but the truth isn't actually there. You know, the, um, it's still really difficult for independent um, merchants to. Um, you know, we're lucky because. We've, we've been established and we've got, you know, we're very customer based and that is the future. But there, there's still this problem of, um, I think, a lot of independent retailers hear one thing, but see another. And right. it's just kind of um, trying to, you know, it's getting the balance right, because as we've just discussed, the balance wasn't correct before. And um, I think a lot of people have, um, they, there are some um, independent shops that do really well, but there should be more. You know, if anything, you know, during the um, during the lockdown, lots of um, independents, you know, they were able to adapt where the chains didn't. And there were lots of pop up shops. And um, so the hope is that those shops will be able to stay now. And um, because they are the they're the ones who do provide this the, the, a bit of personality to the street and a bit of um, I suppose it's it's more lifestyle rather than, um, you know, you, it's OK that having shops where you want to go and buy your batteries or something like Amazon or whatever. But I think, um, as Lisa would probably say as well, you know, people want more than that. They want a personal experience. And it's just, we know that, but it's it's how are we going to get that to the customer um, when there's so many other, um, you know, there's so many other types of shops out there as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would add to that with um, there, there is definitely a lack of congruence between what customers are saying and the way that they behave sometimes. And I, I think I think what we've boiled it down to is that they, there's a way that they want to shop and then there's a way that they've either been trained to shop or that their lifestyle is driving them to shop. So they want to shop locally. They want to shop with independence, but it must be convenient. Or if it's even slightly less convenient, they must get something extra from that transaction. So it's for us, it's about making sure that we keep that balance right. And that's kind of part of the vision behind Discovering Durham. So, yeah, so one of the things that's come up in, in other conversations we've had is, is about this kind of experience of the high street and experience of stores. And I guess there's an element where, um, you know, various stakeholders in the whole high street need to ensure that they come together and make sure that this experience is is better on the high street to draw people in for those brands that they wouldn't, you know, necessarily find all over the place. And I think yeah. Dawn mentioned, you mentioned in the report that, um, you know, post 6 p.m., the retail high streets become ghost towns. And, you know, is is that something that's really, is that a big issue? Is that, you know, how can we solve that issue? I think, I think, I, I guess I'll put that to to Howard first. Yeah, sorry. I was thinking about what Dawn was saying. I, you're right. I mean, I don't want to be sit here complacently thinking that, um, or imagining that this utopian high street is going to appear because all these independents are going to emerge making candlesticks and baking bread. I, I simply make the point that if they're allowed to, that's what we want and that's what they want. And I think there's a few hurdles in the way, uh, one of which is business rates, which we won't get into, but it's very difficult 
to start to create a little startup. You know, if you're a, a, a young entrepreneur and you want to bring muffins to town, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, it's really hard and really expensive. And so you have we have to clear the way for that. But the truth is we all want the same thing. And I do think we sort of somehow forget that. And when we say, you know, some of the shops aren't really working with people don't go in when they should and they talk about behaving act, uh, buying locally and they talk that's true because humans are an emotional species and if we get that little dopamine hit and we get that little bit of love when we walk into a space and someone greets us we'll go back you can watch it you can track people like that if however they go into this lovely little independent store exactly like they wanted and they're not very friendly you don't go back it's a really funny we're really basic Human beings are a social species and we are attracted to that because we ultimately want our social status that way. So allow it to happen and it will happen. Right. The answer to your question, how do we get people to open after six? <laughs> you tell them. I think there's an awful lot that we could we could do if if we liberated the rules a bit, liberate the re regulations and encourage people into the town together talk to them. That's what councils are for, isn't it? They should be pulling people together, getting them to work together, getting to do an event on, on a Saturday, get them to spill out onto the street on a Sunday, get them to open late on a Thursday. You have to ask people to do stuff. And then, do you know what, on the whole, in the name of community spirit, they will. Yeah. And then David, you want to add something to that? Yeah, I agree with that. And I think historically, the last... <clears throat> 20, 30 years, um, our high streets, town centres have become overly concentrated with retail and office. And of course, the issue we have now with uh, working from home is that people are coming into our town centres less. And so the question is, how can government um, and regeneration encourage, encourage greater footfall? Well, the footfall which has been displaced to, you know, our suburbs, how can you get back in um, to our town centres. And, um, and, and, and the other thing is that buying um, residential property in our town centres has become increasingly expensive, particularly for those looking to get onto the housing ladder. And so um, developers now, investors are starting to look at other residential products, if you like, on the market. And one of those is build to rent. It's purpose built and managed, professionally managed residential accommodation, which is much more affordable because people are renting it rather than buying it. And that can um, that is um, being built in our town centres now. The issue as to whether you can repurpose um, some of these more obsolescent uses, such as retail office into um, build to rent comes down to viability, the, the cost of repurposing um, retail office um, and the size of that. Um, but I think over the next 10, 20 years, our high streets, town centres will look very different to what they are now and perhaps will look much more like they were in Samuel Peter's time where there's an awful lot of residential, you know, around where I am in St. Paul's. And I think that will be good. I think it will um, depress house price inflation, which is important, and it will provide that footfall these independents need. I, I would agree with some of that, but not necessarily all of it. I think outside of London, we are seeing actually over lunchtime more footfall because people are working from home with a town centre like Durham. People can pop into Durham on a longer lunch break that they get with the pleasure of working from home. So... 
I've spoken to some of my retail colleagues in different sort of smaller cities around the UK, and they're experiencing the same thing. So potentially this is something outside of London. We're actually seeing increased weekday footfall than we were pre-pandemic because of more people working from home. So that's that's kind of a positive thing. Um, but I would agree, but having residential in the city really does make a difference because you look at cities like Edinburgh, they've got that mix of, of retail, residential and leisure almost 24 hours. Sorry, we missed the end of that, Lisa. <laughs> I think it's like oh, your okay. internet may have dropped slightly, but I think we... Um, I, th- I think one of the interesting points from there is actually that you you kind of mentioned that it, on a local basis, different as to what region you're in and whether you're in London or in a big city centre or, or something like that. And I think um, is that something that maybe maybe you've seen, Graham? You know, th- there's a difference in how the development of the high street in the future might go depending on where you are in the country. It's very true, and certainly um, I endorse what Lisa's saying there because um, I do work in Durham as well. Lisa is one of the retailers I work with uh, uh, in Durham as part of a project there to support independence. And and certainly um, I think uh, what we've seen, if you take away the students and the office workers and the people going to the theatre and the football matches, uh, and these smaller towns and cities have, have done pretty well because of people are using their centres more and and in many cases discovering what they have on their doorstep and that's been really refreshing uh, to go to some of these smaller centres to hear from independent traders that actually uh, new people have been coming in and uh, and realising that they don't have to go into the big city because they've got some really good uh, things on the on the doorstep so I think part of the thing to do now is to try and hang on to that and to encourage more of it and I think um, I think Howard's right in that uh, in the same way as there are some really good uh, chain stores that it's still good to have in your in your location. Equally, there are some bad independents. It's, you know, it's it's uh, I, I love independence. I support independence. But occasionally you do come across some that you know, aren't aren't, uh, aren't very good at what they do. Um, and so it's wrong to suggest that all independents are brilliant. But but I think um, overall, the direction of travel you know, is certainly towards having more businesses like Lisa's and uh, and fewer of the of the kind of things that you find on the on the retail park or that you can shop with online and not really have a very different experience to if you went into those stores. So I guess in a way, from what you're saying and from what um, you know, Dawn has said about the way uh, her her business the sampler did well in the pandemic as opposed to many others who didn't um and i think as as howard has mentioned in our in the promotions uh, for uh, retail reboot itself that actually the pandemic added, acted as a catalyst to kind of change things up so those that you know uh, were offering a good experience did well and those who maybe offering a bit of a stayed experience you know kind of fell by the wayside a bit is is that is that what you you're, you're kind of saying uh, yes, and I think uh, I think COVID has 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 shaken things up and got rid of some of the weak, uh, big name retailers that were already on the edge anyway. But equally, uh, uh, I think in some respects it's acted as a bit of a catalyst for innovation and creativity. And certainly in in Durham, you know, I went round uh, a few weeks ago and I counted up I think uh, over twenty new businesses that had opened in in Durham city centre uh, during the pandemic. And many of those are independent. Many of them are are quite um, are quite quirky and interesting, and uh, and doing something unusual like Lisa's business. And I think that's really encouraging. But of course, uh, business rates, as 
as Howard mentioned, is is the one thing uh, that is acting as a um, as a cap, I think, on people's uh, ambitions. COVID has given us all time to reflect and to think about what we want to do with our lives. Many people have have seized that moment, and that's reflected in these new businesses popping up all over the place. But I think uh, if the if the government was to kind of pull away that kind of barrier of business rate, then the amount of uh, of, of untapped um, uh, uh, untapped creativity that is out there is is phenomenal. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I don't want to tiptoe around things. Actually, I'm listening to Graham. You're talking about these independents. Um, you're quite right. I speak from London at the moment. When I talk about my local area, I'm actually referring to my little place in Suffolk. So two distinct areas, and uh, Suffolk suffered badly. Actually, Woodbridge and Suffolk suffered, suffered very badly. But nonetheless, it's all. I think it will pull itself back. Can I just say that here I am in Clapham, uh, in reasonably posh area. Some of the independent tours are absolutely appalling. You only have to. I mean, we we don't even mention it. it's like the un un you know, un, unmentionable territory. The stores are disgraceful. <laughs> you know, messy, filthy, dirty places with filthy signs. Uh, and even in the centre of town, actually, they are. And you just think these terrible gift shops with these plastic, dirty faces with birds caught by them. <laughs> Do you know, we shouldn't forget that. Yeah, I did. In fact, I have went through a little experiment a few months ago back on Twitter and I, I challenged people to send me a picture of their street in a decade previous where it looked uh, worse than it does now. And there weren't many challenges. You know, take a picture of a, a Kentish Town High Street. Let's pick on a place, you know, in 1920. It looked a lot better. Can I just tell you that? So this decay, this entropy, this has come from a malaise, actually, of actually taking retail for, for granted and not, you know, it, it, this, our streets aren't filled with, with uh, stiff, collared Victorians who are brushing the streets outside at 6 a.m. ready for the customers to arrive. And I'm hoping that some of that might return, actually, because we've really neglected our high streets. And I think everyone's to blame. I think local councils are to blame for not saying anything when they dreadful shops open up or remain open and we don't say that we continue to use them uh, and uh, and the owners themselves just seem to get away with murder I think actually so there's this whole area I did a big article on it which I won't give you the name because it's the first four letters <laughs> SH blank T shops London's full of them actually and when we talk about independence we mustn't be uh, uh, you know, we mustn't pretend that they're somehow all little artisans that are sort of worrying inside as they sort of stitch together little garments for people. That's not the case at all. Yeah. And then, David, you wanted to add something to that? Yeah, and I think one of the issues is the um, fragmentary nature of the ownership on many of our high streets. You have a hodgepodge of investors with lots of different and sometimes competing investment agendas. You might have a local authority who are... Um, you know, much more focused on amenity um, and public service type uses, whether those are, um, you know, healthcare or whatever. Um, and then you've got perhaps your small time investor on the other 
other end of the um, on the end of the other end of the scale. Um, but I, w- I think what is interesting in London, particularly with the big um, London estates such as Cadogan and Howard de Walden, is how well they actually curate, if you like, um, for use of a better word, their, their sort of high streets um, and. And often it's um, it's got residential in the heart of it, and they're able to do that because there's a unitary ownership, um, and um, they are able to take that long-term view, and they certainly see um, a properly curated um, estate um, with good public amenity as driving long-term value for their stakeholders. And people like shopping there. People like spending their time there. But often you have a a range of uses, um, which is facilitated by that unitary ownership. What we're sort of alluding to, or what I've been sort of alluding to, is that our shopping centres are actually shopping centres, funnily enough. And shopping centres, in the, in the, the, the normal way we use it, they have managers. Don't they? And they have someone in charge of aesthetics and hygiene and the mix. And somehow the, our organic streets have not responded well to just being left alone, I don't think. So I think, uh, you know, there's, there's sort of a, there's a whole dimension we could open up in terms of how do we manage our high streets as a whole, not worrying about individual boxes, but how do we pull them all together, get them to do things for us? That's a, another big issue. Yeah, and I think that's um, something. Yeah, I was going to uh, go to you, go to you, Dawn, actually, because you mentioned in your in our report that there's a bit of, you know, unpredictability around, um, you know, future takings when it comes to what their landlords going to charge, business rates, all this kind of stuff. And is is that a real concern on the high street? Do you think? Um, well, I think it is because you see lots of people, you see shops closing all the time, and obviously I talk to lots of other people who have independent. Um, shops and um, yeah it's always the same thing it's always the rates and the rent and um, it's, it's a problem but then I, I think that um, it's not just that because um, sometimes you know you'll get a rent break or you'll get you, uh, in co- in um, the pandemic um, you know didn't have to pay rates and stuff and so I think that's why lots of little shops were able to to start and um, and I think that it's it shows you that there, there, there are people there with really good ideas and good things to sell um but they just need to be able to do that but i i, I just there there was mentioned about that shopping centers are are good i i don't i what what do you mean by that because i would say that like the sort of like traditional shopping centers that we have um nobody i know goes to them and um i think that it's um i don't know i would say that they're a bit sort of old-fashioned and i don't know i think i i see the things that i see doing well were where I am and where I where I live is like places that become more um, like a hybrid. So, but it's not your it's not your really um, sort of old fashioned shopping centre with all the sort of high. No, no, I, uh, you, yeah, don't I don't don't misunderstand me. I'm saying that we're, we're shopping centres, whether they're good or bad, have managers, and somehow our local shopping centres, as in streets and high streets, don't. And I think maybe there's a, a case for that. And, uh, so in, you know, I'm thinking of the, I'm sitting in London, I'm thinking of the Westfields, you know, they spend millions prom- promoting, bringing people together, creating events, making, designing Christmas and all the rest of it, encouraging people to work together. 
uh, they're the best examples we have in the UK, I accept that. I'm just saying maybe there's a lesson we can learn from that because our local high streets don't seem to talk to each other properly. But someone like me, I could never afford to be in a place like Westfield. You know, there's, you know, you ha so it doesn't really, it doesn't really um, apply to small businesses. And so no, it sort of can't, but it can't <laughs> because the rents are too high and the, um, and also then we would just end up with, surely you just end up with maybe like five massive big shopping areas. Is that what you think the future is going to be like? Um, I think that more, there needs to be more investment in the, in the actual high streets themselves. And there's so many different types of high streets. So the, where my shop is, it's quite a residential area and we really depend on that. Um, but then there's other high streets that people, you know, it's not like that. And everyone's got their own problems. But I think that, um, you know, uh, to me, the model of this huge big shopping area like Westfield that can, that's got budget for advertising, it doesn't really apply to most people who are like myself and we're successful so it's not that you know we're um so it, it's just i think we need to find a way of helping people like like sure. me and um all the other ones rather than thinking that it's just you know make it bigger throw money at it through i i, I don't know i personally think that the the what the future is maybe a bit more sort of markety so the you know those sort of like box um park places where you get um so you have like coffee, food, um, maybe offices, gyms, but in a very modern sort of way. And everything, nothing's too big. Everything's a bit smaller um, rather than um, that. That's just what I think. That's what sure. I, I sort of well, I'm gonna, I think. I'm gonna, right. I think you're 100% yeah. right. I'm going to bring... Um, going to bring Graham in now, I think, because he's, he's had his hand up for a little bit. <laughs> yes, I was keen to pick up on Howard's point about uh, the, uh, how high streets don't have anyone to kind of manage them. And I, I'm bound to point out that we do have a thing called place managers. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fellow of the Institute of, uh, of Place Management. And, and so all these people who you see out there who are bid managers, um, so uh, anyone who's a manager of a business improvement district, those people are, are in effect are performing a similar role to a shopping centre manager in that they do have that uh, position where they can bring together uh, the different businesses and stakeholders you know, in a location, they can invest in the place, they can package it up, uh, they can market it in certain ways. Uh, so we have a, a bid in Durham and, uh, and the bid manager there works with all the other stakeholders, the county council and the parish council and the markets and whatever else. And I think um, that model of the different uh, stakeholders in a place, uh, you know, all working together with a common goal of of, of making their place as, as attractive and successful as it can be and, and communicating the right messages about why you would go there, that is really powerful. And certainly uh, from the work I do with the High Streets Task Force too, I think we see that, that the towns and cities that do have stakeholders talking to each other and being on the same page and having a clear vision of what they want their town or city to be, you know, those are the places that by and large uh, um, are are doing best. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I agree, Graham. That's exactly what I'm saying, really. We should, we need to expand that massively. Yeah. And, and Lizzie, you had something to add to that. 
Yeah, I just I think now is a really exciting time to be having conversations with the large shopping centers. They are at the moment stumbling around a little bit and they're looking for what they do next. They're looking for how they reconnect with their customer base and they're looking for how they bring in new vibrant crowds of people and how they keep them within the center. You know, it's all about dwell time and it's it's about feet through the door. So I think I think yes, there's always been this, you know, large shopping centers you can't even get a foot in even when I was organizing events in large shopping centers I would never approach people like into because it was just the amount of money that they were looking at was extraordinary that's now history it's not the case anymore I mean as discovering Durham as a CIC we're in um, a shopping center although they've renamed themselves now so they're Prince Bishop's place rather than Prince Bishop's shopping center which in itself is is quite an interesting um, evolution but the the idea that independence can't be part of the shopping center I think is is becoming resigned to history i think we're renegotiating those battle lines and i i think that people's shopping experience will become better for it yeah and i was, I was actually going to bring in um david on that point because it sounds like repurposing is the key to that but um you may have mm. something else to add as well yeah i mean I, I think if anything what the last 18 months has shown investors and developers is that your you know your your triple a rated tenant covenant is not necessarily AAA rated compared to your independence, as we've seen these big names go into CVAs and so on. Um, and, and, and and what matters ultimately is the you know the business plan and how how well a retailer can execute that and how agile they are and how they can evolve in a in a much more of an online in, environment. Um, in the past, investors have understandably looked for long leases um, without break clauses, fixed rents upward only. Now, there's a recognition that actually it's about getting the right mix in place. Box Park has already been cited. Two great examples in Croydon and Wembley on the Quintain development there. Um, and um, and also the ability to move tenants around as well and having um, greater oversight over tenant businesses. And that's been done in you know, different ways. But you know, one way has been the introduction of turnover rents, provides much greater flexibility to a, a tenant sort of um, tr trading um, environment. Um, and... Um, and, and and that's meant that landlords have wanted to see the data as it comes in, um, so sales and so on, so they can get a real time understanding of how a retailer is doing, and and also introduce break clauses into um, into leases. So landlord break clauses, which historically they've been few and far between, um, but now we're seeing those so that if a tenant isn't performing. A landlord can break a lease instead of having to go through formal forfeiture uh, proceedings, which can which can mean it's very difficult to get tenants out. And in fact, at the moment, it's not possible because of a moratorium on forfeiture. So I think there are tools at investors' landlords' disposal to actually um, get a better mix and um, and ensure that the risk profile is more acceptable to landlords. Um, as well as to tenants. And then just, just to um, add to that, on, on your point, Ed, about the repurposing angle, I think it's quite telling that 
um, some of the big investors who've traditionally invested in um, retail and also um, developer operators such as Westfield um, are now moving into residential. So we've probably all seen headlines about John Lewis moving into BTR, um, similarly with Westfield um, and also Landsack as well. Traditionally, you know, they, they've invested in our big retail parks. They're moving away from that. Um, so there is a recognition that actually there's a symbiotic relationship between residential and retail um, because of the footfall angle. And actually, there's too much retail at the moment. So some of it does have to be repurposed and there's a demand for residential. Okay. Thank you, David. I think we've uh, obviously covered off quite quite a lot there. Um, it's quite a lot to get into. I don't think we could possibly cover it all in one, one session. But um, I guess just before we wind it down i just wanted to kind of go around the room and just see if anyone if everyone could give me just a little challenge for everyone kind of in one sentence what you think the future of the high street is um and i guess i'll start with with graham on that one okay um i think the future of the high street is exciting uh, and the future of the high street is 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 local and i think david was right it it will it will include a more mix of uses, more residential for sure. But the trick is to make sure that we mix those in in the right way. And I think certainly uh, there's been concern about having uh, too much kind of prime frontage potentially being turned over to over to housing um, uh, you know, under the new under new planning rules. And I think it's about about making sure that you put the. Uh, it's about making sure that you put the housing in the right places uh, above the shops or or around the edges of places to uh, to try and um, create the right balance of uh, of uses and a and an appropriate mix. Okay, um, Howard, you're up next. One sentence. Oh, am I? Ah, you're asking me big questions. Well, Gene, let me do, do something positive. Let me just say something positive. Um, I've been moaning about a little independence and all the rest of it. Look, young blood will come through if we allow it. So that's all coming down the line with pop-ups and independence and all of that. I think it's fantastic. Here's one big clue that I think will happen in the future. Market halls might come back. Market halls, food halls, because I think local means food. I think it's going to be an awful lot to do with food. And we might see some of those dreadful concrete shopping centres going back to that term. Being demolished and replaced by what the Victorians had in the first place, which is glazed shopping centres, glazed market halls, whereby you know you can go and have lunch and hang out with your friends and your family and all the rest of it. So I think we may see resurgence of that. And in our cities, whilst our department stores die and slip away, well, don't worry about all that because the next thing coming through will be these venues, venues for product launches, not just events, much more leisure-based and these immersive spaces which are waiting in the wings, I promise you, to come and arrive in our city centres. So there's there's lots to look forward to. Great, thank you very much. Um, and Dawn, what, what do you think the future of the high street is? I totally agree. I think that it's going to be local and it's going to be hybrid. Um, and I also think that's for the sort of smaller high streets that I operate in. And then I think that for the, the major city centres, I, I hope that the days of having like three H&Ms all in a row will be long gone. And I think it'll be much more, again, more a hybrid um, area where people have sort of more sort of showcase um, shops um, and lots of food. And yeah, I think it'll be more like a small market local and hybrid. Great. And Lisa? I think um, the word I would use is variety. 
that's what's going to come back. Uh, we've we've had sort of this cut and paste high street effect for a while. And I mean, I've been sick of it for over a decade. So I'm personally very pleased to see the back of it. Bringing back those variations, making sure that we've got lots of independence and that we've got lots of different experiences. The space on the high street for Amazon and for local independence, they're vastly different experiences. So yeah, variety would be my word. And last but, last but not least, David. I think residential will be the heart of many town centres um, to a much, much greater degree than it is now. And I think um, given there is this um, low carbon, zero emissions push, I think there'll be um, the use of technology, which will be integrated into the infrastructure of our town centres to to create efficiencies. Um, so, for example, when it comes to last mile deliveries, um, reduce the number of deliveries um, which occur um, each day. I think there'll also um, be um, much more logistics um, to enable that last mile um, um, use. There might be some data centres as well um, and leisure. So, I think there'll be much more retail and much greater a variety of uses with a focus on residential and tech-enabled um, infrastructure. Sounds definitely to me like the, the high street will become some sort of hub and of community hub is is basically what it sounds like is the, the constant um, in all of this. But yeah, I'll just um, end by saying thank you very much everyone for joining us. Um, it's been really great to hear your views um, and yeah, um, look forward to hearing more from you guys soon. Thank you to all of our guests on the podcast. If you want to find out more about our retail reboot report, make sure to go to roidswithyking.com forward slash retail reboot, all one word. Thanks for listening.